We are so glad you're here today. One of the great ministries that we've had the opportunity to uh, partner with for many years is a ministry that, was, that came through the uh, vision that God gave uh, to our guest today, Bob Hoskins. And, and I want to tell you just one more time. I believe Bob Hoskins is one of the great men of God of our generation. Uh, I just can't say enough about uh, how I appreciate his vision, his passion, and the work that their ministry is doing all around the world. And I'm glad that we're able to be a small part of that and invest in that and help people all around the world. Before Bob comes, watch, uh, watch a little bit and you'll learn a little bit more about Bob and this ministry. Thank you, Pastor Mark. What a joy to be with Pastor Mark and Pastor Renee. Uh, I, I knew him when he was in his mother's womb. I was preaching for his parents in their church while his mother was waiting for his birth. So I have, I have loved Mark before he even came into the world and love him still. You're fortunate to have this kind of spiritual leadership for Calvary. And we are honored to be a part of your family. Perhaps our primary reason for being here today is to just say thank you for this partnership that goes back over so many years and to encourage you to keep pressing on uh, until the whole world has a chance to know who Jesus is. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be together in your holy presence. Thank you for this wonderful fellowship of believers who now for so many years have been sending your word around the world. And now as we come to this very special day in 2018 and are asking you what you would have each of us to do to fulfill your great commission, your word, all the world, I pray that you will speak to us. I pray that your word will have favor in Jesus' name and everyone that knows the Lord answers prayer. Let me hear you say a big amen, please. Oh, that's good. That was a good one. Well, uh, perhaps you saw in the video, I guess they played last week, that this year I am celebrating 74 years of full-time preaching ministry. And, And I know, I know, I know that some of you are looking up here and you are asking yourself how anybody that looks so young could be that old, right? That's what's... <laughs> well, the truth is, as you may have seen in the video, I began preaching at the age of seven. When I was seven years of age, I had a marvelous infilling of the Holy Spirit. As God's Spirit came upon me, my body fell prostrate. And I don't recall it as a, as a dream or a vision. I... I felt myself literally being lifted out of my body. And as I ascended heavenward, I could look back and see my prostrated body and my parents and their friends gathered around me. And somewhere in the heavenlies, Christ appeared to me and for almost six hours escorted me on a vast journey through time and space in which I saw things past, present, and things that are yet to be. And the impact was so powerful that I commenced my public preaching ministry two weeks from that night. And the phenomena of a small child who, because of God's anointing, 
spoke with the authority, with the vocabulary, with the platform presence of an adult attracted a lot of publicity. And as you know, with publicity, crowds come. And so for the next 10 years, I traveled across America uh, preaching in what we call citywide crusades. When I was 18 years of age, God spoke to me and told me that I should go to a country that I had never heard of, didn't even know where it was. And I, I can tell you that I that within six weeks from the time God spoke to me, I arrived in British Guyana. I had no ticket to get back to America, and I had $5.68 in my pocket and discovered that the people that I'd asked to make preparations for the crusade had already spent thousands of dollars in a country that was then the poorest country in the world. But during the crusade, God performed mighty miracles of healing. The deaf people were hearing and blind people were seeing and crippled people were pushing their wheelchairs home so that by the third night of the crusade, we had to move into the big racing stadium and for six weeks preached to 30,000 people a day. I taught them God's law of giving and receiving and gave them the opportunity, even in their poverty, to give to the work of God so that when the crusade was finished, every bill was paid. We had a building fund to buy land for the first Assembly of God Church in British Guyana, and they gave me a love offering that allowed me to travel all over Latin America preaching in places that I never dreamed I would see. And when I arrived back in America, I had one $5 bill. The whole trip had cost a total of 68 cents, which I thought was a pretty good deal. From there, I continued in mission evangelism around the world, in Africa, in Latin America, in Asia. Uh, and, and, and during that time, I was nurturing a burden for the Muslim world of the Middle East. In 1964, I followed that passion and moved my wife and two baby boys to the city of Beirut, Lebanon, hopefully establishing a base to evangelize the Muslim world of the Middle East. Now, imagine the frustration of a crusade evangelist who is used to preaching to thousands of people a day, and now I'm in a place where that is not possible. I guess you know that for most of the part of the Muslim world, not only could you not hold revival crusades, I couldn't even get visas to visit those countries. And there were frustrating months of asking God, why have you brought me here when the giftings that I think I have as an evangelist are of no use? But as I sought the face of God, I began to read the Quran. And I found Jesus in the Quran. So I thought, what if I take Jesus from the Quran, which the Muslims all understand, and I present him as who he really is. And by God's grace, we designed a simple set of literature pieces. I advertised them in a Beirut newspaper. People began to ask for the, for the literature. The literature began to go out, and I made a great discovery. The power is not in the sower. The power is in the seed. There may be places where the preacher cannot go. There may be places where my passport is not welcome. But I want to proclaim to you that the Holy Spirit does not need a passport. He does not have to stop at immigration, customs, or even TSA and submit himself. The Holy Spirit goes where he wants, when he wants, how he wants, among whom he wants. And I discovered that wherever this word goes... Wherever this word goes, the Holy Spirit goes. You see, how did you come to know Christ? 
You say, well, I heard a preacher, I went to church, I heard something on television, I read the Bible. No, those are all the ways in which you came to know about Christ. You know, there's a difference in knowing about Christ and knowing Christ. The Bible says no man knows God except what? The Spirit of God reveals him. The Holy Spirit is the divine revealer. And wherever the Word goes, the Holy Spirit goes. And through the presence of the Holy Spirit, with the Word comes revelation. And with revelation comes transformation. If I had time, I could take you across North Africa and the Middle East where there are, there are hundreds of, uh, of bodies of practicing believers, churches. They never saw a missionary. They, ne they, they simply received this powerful Word and the Holy Spirit. I said, oh my goodness, let me expand this literature ministry and so we expanded our literature ministry into into other languages and other products and uh, and that ministry became the largest publisher of Bibles and Christian literature in major languages like Spanish and French and Portuguese but in 1987 during a time of prayer and fasting I had a vision and what I saw in the vision was so so horrible as to be almost at that time indescribable I saw that Satan was going to marshal all the demons of hell and they were going to attack the children of the world with a, with a satanic attempt to literally, literally destroy a generation. I saw how through hunger and famine, how through violence and war, how through the proliferation of alcohol and drugs and sexual promiscuity with diseases like AIDS, Satan would literally slaughter millions of children. For days I was weeping, God, what am I seeing? And what should I do? And the Spirit of God spoke into my spirit, said the only thing that will rescue them is the truth found in my word. I have sent my word to heal the children. And I want you to take my word to the children of the world, and you will do it through leaders. I knew what he meant by word, children, but not sure about leaders. But since we were the publisher, largest publisher of Bibles in the Spanish language, I got the names of the 50 most powerful people in every Spanish-speaking nation. I embossed their names in gold on a beautiful Vita leather study Bible and began to present those Bibles to leaders. And the response was astonishing. Within, within weeks, I was, I was hearing from them. In fact, I was invited to visit. I was a guest of the president of Chile, the guest of the president of Venezuela, the guest of the president of Nicaragua. And then I got a letter from the minister of education in the country of El Salvador. He wrote to thank me for the Bible. And I could tell by his letter he was a believer. He said, Mr. Hoskins, our country has suffered years of civil war. We have the highest murder rate in the world, and it is our children that are being destroyed. It is their hope that has been stolen. I wonder if it's possible. Could you provide the word of God to give to every child in the schools of El Salvador? God's word, every child. I mean, I ran out of the office waving that letter, uh, uh, shouting, oh, and I called my, and I said to my assistant, send uh, this man a, 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 this was before, you know, fax or email or we did something old-fashioned called telegrams. And I sent a, a cablegram to him and said, Mr. Minister of Education, I promise you we will give the word of God to every child in every school in El Salvador. And when I sent the cable, my secretary came back after she had sent it and said, uh, by the way, how many children are there? I said, well, how would I know? She said, what? You don't know? 
You just promised to give every one of them a Bible, and you don't even know how many there are. She called the embassy in Washington. She came back and said, there are 968,000 children that read in the school. You need a million Bibles. Now, Mark, I tell people I really started fasting and praying. Oh, God. <laughs> Where am I going to get a million Bibles? What am I, I knew I wanted to send the children something. When they saw it, they would want it. There's nothing sacred about black leather. I knew I wanted to send them something that when they read it, they would understand it. I mean, you, you give an eight-year-old that 1,600-page book, and he, you know, it scares adults. So what is a good, an eight-year-old? He, he's a student, so he figures he better start at the first page, and he gets into Genesis chapter 1, wonderful. But <laughs> he hasn't read very far until some strange things start happening. I mean, here's God telling the, the Jews, go in there and kill everybody. I mean, you know, nail the, nail the Philistine foreskins to the wall. How do you explain 28 foreskins to an eight-year-old? I said, God, they can learn about Philistines foreskins later the first thing they need to know is that you love them and you have a plan for them and where is that found it's in the gospel it's in the good news it's in the story where Jesus said I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly so we designed what was then called El Libro de Vida you saw it on the on the video and we began it, and, 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 and God opened the way through a great missionary named John Boino a friend a friend of Mark's I know and he, was a, he, he, he organized all the Christians, all the churches, and, and, and they, they, they went out across the country, every town, every village, every school, with a letter from the government saying they were authorized to give the book to the children. And then something remarkable happened. The, the principal said, well, we don't know anything about this. It would be better if we gather the children and you explain it to them. So without our planning, and our brothers and sisters had a chance to go into every school in El Salvador, present the gospel, and leave the word of God with every child. Can I hear a hallelujah, please? And you know what they did? They ran home. They gave it to their parents. They read the Word of God together. And within months, pastors were reporting so many hundreds of families were coming to God. Churches were, were just exploding. And in a country that had been in war for eight years, and the United Nations tried to stop it and couldn't, and the United States sent troops to try to stop it, and they couldn't. Six months after the children received the Word of God, peace came to the country of El Salvador. And I want to tell you, there has been peace now for 32 years in El Salvador. And you can say it's an accident, a coincidence. No, my friends, it is the transforming power of the Word of God. This book is alive. I said, this book is alive. Can you say that with me? Let's say it together. This book is alive. This book is alive. I said, my goodness, if we can do it in El Salvador, let's do it in Ecuador. Oh, oh yes, if we can do it in Spanish, why don't we do it in French? And, and then God opened the amazing door to Russia. Remember, this is 1988. There is still an Iron Curtain. There is still a Soviet Union. For 72 years, the Word of God has been forbidden. I tried to take Bibles to Russia in 1967, and I was seized, and my Bibles were taken. But by God's grace, we had an invitation from the Minister of Religion to bring 50,000 copies of the Book of Hope to Moscow. I can never forget that first December day when we walked into the first public school, school number 715. 
what would the reception be? I actually knew people whose parents, grandparents had died in prison because they were Christians and had a Bible. And now we were going to do something we couldn't even then do in America, begin to give the word of God. A little lady came out to meet me. She said, come in my office. She showed she had a copy of, the, of, 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 of Kniga Chichny, the Russian Book of Hope. She said, by profession, I'm a history teacher. As you know, uh, we have not been allowed to talk about the history of religion, but I'm very curious, and so I'm going to read the book and hope it will help me understand something about the history of religion. And I said, ma'am, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to tell you, this is not a history book. This is not a book about religion. What you're holding in your hand is the word of the eternal God. And in this word, he tells us how we may experience his presence in our lives through his son, Jesus Christ. And then I wondered what reaction. Would she call for the security? Would the police come? Would I go to Siberia prison? Instead, I saw a tear begin to run down the side of her face. And in a trembling voice, she said, Mr. Hoskins, you cannot understand how nearly impossible it is for we Soviets to believe that. But some of us want to believe. And some of us want our children to have faith. So please, let me take you to the children. And as we shared the story of Jesus and gave the children the word of God, there was excitement, there was enthusiasm. We went to the next school and the next school, and the momentum was building. And then we got a call from Mr. Vishipan, the minister of religion. I must see you in my office immediately. And so my son Rob and I made our way, and I said, great optimist that I am, I said, they're going to try to stop us. They thought that when we gave out these books that the children would just say, they'd throw them in the trash can and say, you know, this is a fairy tale, and, and they're going to, and sure enough, Vishipan said, you know the permit you have for the 50,000 books, consider it no longer valid, and something rose up in me, and I said, but Mr. Vishipan, I have your letter, it has your signature, he said, calm down, in, in, in so many words in Russian, it's just, he said, we have a problem. In the past, morality, as we uh, translate it, was enforced. But under the new system of glasnost perestroika, people will make personal decisions, including moral decisions. And we are frightened for our children because they've never had a lesson in morality. And there are no parents to teach them because the parents never had that. And there are no teachers to teach them because they never had that. And there are no churches to teach them because we closed the churches. But we've seen the reaction they have to your book, and we've read your book, and we believe your book can help us in this dilemma. So instead of 50,000 copies, I am officially requesting you on behalf of the Soviet government, will you bring us 140 million copies of this book? My son Rob, we walked out of there, we were shouting hallelujah, we were high-fiving each other, glory to God. And then it says, 140, what? Where do you start? We got a call from the mayor of Leningrad, Mr. Subject. The short of the story is we went to Leningrad, but there were no Christians to help us deliver the books. We tried to find pastors. We tried to find churches. We, and and we, I had to go to the mayor of, of, of Leningrad and say, I don't think we can do this because there were, there were 1,680 schools, 1 1.6 million children. And I said, we have nobody to actually... He said, you have millions of Christians in America. Why don't you go to America and bring the, Amer bring the Americans to do it? Who would have ever dreamed such a thing? And yet that's what happened. And Mark, some people right here from Springfield were among those who joined us and went to Russia in 1990, 1991 and 92, and the response was so incredible. 
that, that, that the mayor asked us to do something for parents. So we would go in the school and minister to the children of the day, and at night, we would, we would invite, they would invite their parents to come to a crusade. And we did that in city after city, in the city of Krasnoyarsk, central Siberia, million people, no church. In six weeks, 68,000 people signed decision cards that they were accepting Christ. And today, Krasnoyarsk is known as the Bible Belt of Siberia. There are scores of churches. There are Bible colleges. I'm talking about the transforming power of God's Word. Friend, this book, let me hear it. This book? It's alive. Two years ago, I was back in Russia for a pastor seminar. There were over 3,000 pastors. Remember, in 1990, we couldn't find one pastor. There were over 3,000 pastors. And the moderator asked, how many of you pastors first heard about Jesus when one of the One Hope teams from America came in your school and gave you a book of hope? And so many stood to their feet that he had them counted. And there were 1,768 pastors who first heard about Jesus when somebody like you came into their school and left the Word of God in their hands. I'm telling you, friends, this book is alive. Today, the Book of Hope is distributed in almost 200 countries of the world. We have now reached over 1,300,000,000 children in those 200 countries. Such places as Cuba, Vietnam, Vietnam where it's illegal to, dis to import Bibles, and yet the Book of Hope is printed on communist press in Hanoi and given to the children of uh, Vietnam, China. People say, how is it possible? How do you get permission to distribute the book in Vietnam, in, in Cuba, in, in, in China? How do you get permission for, for that? And they're the two top countries on the, uh, there's a list of 50 of the most closed countries in the world. And the two at the top of the list, we are now in those two countries distributing the word of God. And people say, how? I tell you how. Because when God looks down on this planet and he sees this attack to destroy children, he sees the little child soldiers. I've met them in Africa. I've held some of them in my arms, their bodies trembling as they were trying to come off the drugs that they had been, that they had been infected with to make them crazed killers. I've walked the streets of Cambodia with my wife and seen the little sex slaves, some of them only, not even in their teens, we were told that none of them will live to be 15 years because they will die from the diseases they contract from the life they're forced to live. And God sees it. And God's heart is broken. And God will open any door. He will open any door. He will provide us the tools. A few years ago, we realized we couldn't reach every child with books. There are those who can't read, those who, who, who don't want to read. They are illiterate. And God led us to go into the production of films like The God-Man, which is now being used around the world, being viewed by millions and millions of children. Four years ago, God directed us to launch what we call the Bible app for kids. If you don't have it, go to your uh, app and get the Bible app for kids. Within one month after its release, the Bible app for kids became the number one children's app in the world. Not the one, number one Bible children's app, the number one children's app in the world. I think you want to praise the Lord for that that God's Word, and for almost, 
For almost two years, the Bible app for kids remained the number one app for kids in the entire world. We have had downloads in every country, in, including the Vatican. I don't, I don't know who's, who's watching it in the Vatican, but it's there. In countries like Saudi, we have over almost 200,000 users in the country of Saudi Arabia where no missionary can go and no witness can be given. I tell you, God will open the door. God will provide the tools. God will make a way where there is no way. You don't have to worry about God doing his part. But the most amazing thing to me in all the world, in all of Scripture, is that after God himself came, and he died upon a cross to provide redemption for a lost world. Remember, it was God who died on a cross. The only God you'll ever see will have holes in his hands. And then because it was God, he arose from the dead and he, he turned to his disciples and said, the price is paid, the work is finished. And you would expect at that point he would say, now I'm going to proclaim it to the whole world and call them to repentance. You would think that he would say, I have commissioned a special army of angels that are empowered to go across the whole planet and share this good news with... No. He turned to created beings like Peter and James and John and Mark and Helen and Bob and you. And he said, now you go. And we say, but God, me? I'm to go? I'm sure in heaven the angels said, oh my God, or whatever angels say, I don't know what. <laughs> I'm sure they said, no, 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 don't say, you, you saw that guy, Peter, you know, you know what a weakling he is. He'll never, he'll never stand up. Let us go, let us. And God said, no. I'm sending my children. And you say, but Bob, I, I can't go. You know, I, I couldn't eat that you know, chicken entrails and monkey stew. I mean, I just couldn't do it, Bob. I just, just not possible. Or I, I couldn't stand up before people. And, but here's the wonderful thing. God made it possible for all of us to go because there are a variety of ways in which we go. That's why we have these small, small group missions. Uh, that, that, that's why you take people to, to different countries in, in small groups to do ministry. That's a way to go. We can all go every day, every day we can go, any, I can go to any spot on this planet and I'd go to many of the most impossible places every day and I go there in prayer. I go there in prayer. Everyone can go. The other way we all go is through our stewardship. You've been given a card, it's called a faith promise card. But you know what this is? This is a ticket. This is an enabler. With this card, with this little card right here, you can go to Africa, you can go to Asia, you can go to Latin America, you can go to North Korea. You can go to North Korea today with this card. You say, well, you know, the missionary goes and I'm just a giver. No, 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 you are a missionary. The stewardship part, there are the laden who go and there are the patrons who provide. And we are laborers together, the Bible says. We are laborers together. Some of us are called to go in the flesh, but most of us are called to stay right here and do what God has given us to do in our work, in our business, in our finances, and then to say, God, none of it belongs to me. It's all yours. What by faith would you have me to do? How will you use me? What can I do by faith? 
to be your missionary, to be your hands extended? Three years ago, we gave the one billionth child their book of hope. And it was in China, in the far northeast of China. But it wasn't a Chinese that gave the book, and certainly it was not an American. 1992, in Krasnoyard, Siberia, a boy named Dima. He said, my grandfather was an alcoholic, I was, my father was an alcoholic, and I was becoming an alcoholic. His father was a member of the Communist Politburo. He himself was the leader of the young pioneers, the young people that indoctrinate others into, into atheism. And when he heard that a group was coming to the, to the school and they were Christians, he wouldn't, even, he wouldn't even take the book because he was so against and such an unbeliever. But he heard that at night, we were going to have American concert music in the hockey arena. Oh, thank God for gospel music. Wasn't that music fantastic this morning? We ought to have that, you ought to have that brass. I mean, and he wanted to hear the American music. And so he came to the hockey arena and he said, when the message was given, he said, I couldn't wait. I, I jumped over chairs. I, I ran over people to get to the front to ask Jesus into my heart. And Dima started a Bible, a Bible study among the boys in his high school. That, it was 10 boys to start with. Today it's a church of over 50,000 baptized believers. And they're sending missionaries all over the world. And Dima had a burden for China. So he's not in Krasnoyarsk. He's not in Siberia. He went to the far east of, of Russia and learned the Chinese language. And it was Dima who 22 years before as a young pioneer atheist discovered that this book is alive. It was Dima who 22 years later put it in the hand of a little Chinese girl. And we have followed her story and now her entire family in that remote area of China have become believers and God is moving in her community. I'm telling you, no fiction writer can write stories like that. That's a God story. That's the kind of stories God writes. And he wants to write a story for you today. So I ask you to take the card in your hand and say, God, how's my story going to read? How's my story going to read? When I come to stand before you, am I going to be empty-handed? Am I going to look back with regrets? Or am I going to be able to say, Father, I was obedient. Father, I took a step of faith. Father, I did what you called upon me to do. And hear him say, well done. Enter into the joys of life eternal. Father, thank you for these wonderful friends who have been so faithful for your kingdom for so long. And some, in fact, probably are just for the first time having a chance to participate. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will speak into every one of our hearts and you will let us know what by faith we are going to be able to do in the next 12 months. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, thank you. In just a moment, the ushers are going to come and receive our missions offering. Everything in this offering uh, is going to go to One Hope uh, to be a blessing to them. Last year, 
uh, because of your faithfulness and your pledges and your giving, uh, we were able to support this ministry at over $40,000 last year and uh, uh, help send Bibles and, and send things all around the world. And there are many ministries that they have which are just phenomenal that you can pick up some information. Yes. Your gift was primary in what we call the Lumiere Project in Francophone Africa. This is in the Sahal where the Muslim coming down from the north are meeting the Christians coming up from the south. It is one of the flashpoints in the world and constant conflict. And, and, and a few, three years ago, God gave us a vision, an audacious, audacious goal to plant 3,300 churches in five years. And in the first two years, we've planted over 800 churches. And we got a report that two weeks ago, over almost 80,000 people were in those churches. And they are in villages. They are in the most remote areas where there are no, not even any roads. And your gift went to help send those uh, pioneer missionaries, African missionaries, and plant those churches. So that's a part of your, Praise God. Of your work. Praise God. We've been talking about taking the message of Jesus and the hope of Jesus all around the world to people who've never heard and never, uh, never received Christ. And that's an important thing for us to do. But what about you? Have you ever come to that moment where you've made a decision about who Jesus is in your life? Have you come to that point in time where you recognize that Jesus is the Son of God? He was sent to this earth to pay the price for our sin. That you need healed. You need restored to a right relationship with God. Have you crossed that line of faith yet? So every head's about every eye closed for just a moment. If you'll say, Pastor, yes. I've received Christ as my Savior. I put my faith in Him. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I have done that. That's happened in my life. Amen. As you stood here, you weren't able to raise your hand just that moment ago. You know you need to, you, you know you need to receive Christ as your Savior. This is your moment. This is the most important moment in all of, of all of eternity for you to say, yes, I want Jesus to be my Savior. If that's you, will you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to ask Christ into my life today. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive Jesus as my Savior. I put my trust in him to be my Lord. Now I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. We believe prayer changes things. And we want to encourage you before you leave to come down and let somebody pray with you. Don't leave this place. If you have a need, don't leave this place without prayer. 
Come let somebody pray with you. And let's shine brighter in our community as well as around the world. Amen? Amen. Bless the Lord. God bless you.